The Start On Demand. On demand. As Manitoba continues to ship COVID patients out of province, we learned yesterday that one patient has died during an attempt to transport to Ontario. Today, we spoke to the Chief Medical Officer of Emergency Response with Shared Health Manitoba. Shopping habits are changing in Canada. It seems the pandemic is pushing a lot of us to the self-checkout. What's your take on the self-checkout? And today is the day Friends fans have been waiting for. The Friends reunion special is now streaming on Crave. So this morning, we celebrated our friends. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, May 27th podcast for The Start. McGarry McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And while we just mentioned the show Girls 5 Eva, today we want to focus on a different show. Today's the day, May 27th. Friends, the reunion has arrived. It is streaming on Crave. And I saw somebody say that today should be a holiday for Friends fans, Greg Mackling. <laughs> well, I saw that very early this morning and I was tempted. I think it was about 1.10. I woke up for some odd reason and I thought, I wonder if I should turn this on. But I knew that wasn't going to fly uh, without watching it with Jackie. But it did ponder that. And so a holiday for any reason right now, I'm in favor of. But uh, sounds to be uh, as good a reason as any, McNabb. Well, I have to admit, I actually, I think I got through pretty much all of Friends again during this pandemic. So many of us have revisited old shows, right, on any of our streaming services because got nothing else to do. And uh, I enjoyed it almost as much as I think I did back then. And so I will admit to have watched the trailer to this Friends reunion that's happening tonight at least 30 times now. And I've <laughs> sadly... Re- I'm not a big Us Magazine or People fan, but I have read a lot of Friends articles on those magazine websites over the last really? week. I'm not going to lie. Not going to lie. There's nothing I've wrong with that. Well, here, you know what? I I actually, that used to be my go-to magazine after covering so many things over the years. You know, everyone needs that mis- that escape, right? But you, now when you click on those things, then you're feed is full of them and it's it's like read more and i just keep get i keep clicking on it's like well this is the same information i got just five minutes ago but i'll read it again (laughs) i'll zoom into this picture one more time Ooh, i she's aged well you know like that's basically where i'm at right now in my distraction plan (laughs) so you greg you say that if you were to go ahead and watch this special without jackie you would be in serious trouble when will you be able to to pin down a time slot for this? This is a really great question because I shared with you guys pictures of the mountain of gravel that's in my driveway right now. I got 12 yards of gravel and I think I might have ordered twice as much as I needed, but we're about to find out. So I don't know if I can justify sitting down to watch that until that mountain is moved. I'm hoping Gravel's Jackie not going will... anywhere, Greg. It, it'll <laughs> yeah, stay there just you, fine. You no, know, but there's rain coming. There's all sorts of issues there 
I, I'm hoping that Jackie will take mercy on me tonight and, and you know, at, say, 7 o'clock, it'll be a perfect time to watch it uh, just before bed. And she'll say, come on, you've worked hard enough today. Let's uh, sit down and watch this. So I've got my fingers crossed that I might get to it uh, this evening. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I, I, and what's I this, what's this about? There's rain coming? What, that, Isn't there supposed to be rain on Saturday? Yeah, that's Saturday, man. You got all kinds of time. Have you seen that pile, Brett? That's a lot of dirt there. He's got it's a to lot, get to the a lot, a lot, a lot of aggregate that needs to be moved from the front <laughs> of the house to the back of the house. And and the boys were helping me last night, and they've invent, invented their own system, which is completely contrary to the way that I was taught to move gravel. And uh, I've done my best not to impose my system on them. If it's working and they're having fun and the gravel's getting moved, I'm okay with it. This is a new leaf for me. I'm turning over. I'm kind of proud of it, actually, because normally I would be, nah, this is not the way you do it. You do it this way. They're doing it their way. It's effective. So um, give me strength and uh, (laughs) I'll take some props for that as well. (laughs) So it's 645. We are going, and throughout the day on CJOB, let's celebrate our friends. We are going to have a chat at 645 that we, and we need you to participate at 204-780-6868. Tell us something funny about one of your friends and you'll have a chance to win a $20 gift card for San Lucia Pizza. So we'll do that at 645 as we celebrate friends of the show and celebrate friends in general through the day on CJOB. Also, this hour at 6.37, we're going to talk, Loren, about uh, how we're changing how we shop. Yeah, well, it's so funny. So many things that started a year ago or a year and a half were approaching now or 15 months ago with this pandemic had a real impact on all sorts of habits, maybe how you talk to people, you, the way you do things at home. Shopping is a big one, of course. You know, are you still going to the brick and mortar stores or are you have you had that move online? And what do you like about your experience now or what don't you like versus a year ago? And so the folks at Dalhousie, where the food lab is and the food professor, Sylvain Charlebois, work, they surveyed Canadians and found some really interesting things, not just about how we might have this shift online shopping or delivery, but how our loyalty has perhaps changed. We've talked a lot about local, so are more people shopping local or looking for those independent grocers? And they even asked the question, what do you think about, you know, the arrows and the directional lines in stores and where you should or shouldn't shop when it comes to social distancing? And do you want that to stick around? And really, really interesting results. So we'll delve into that at 637, but we'd love to hear how people are shopping right now. Like it started off as temporary, right, Greg? Like all those things was just going to be for a few weeks well what's the saying it only takes a couple weeks to create a habit and you might not go back after the pandemic to the way things were it's funny because i'm starting to look for and i'm noticing and missing when stores don't have the arrows on the floor and i i've been very appreciative of the places that have kept those directional arrows i feel as though there's a little bit more order now i'm i'm not exactly the tidiest or neatest person in the world but i do really appreciate that flow and that control of direction not that everybody follows it and i notice it when people don't follow the arrows when they're in place but brett there's something comforting about it it's oddly structured but in my mind not super restrictive it's uh, it, it gives me a good feeling when I'm in the store. I don't know. How do you deal, deal and feel about the 
arrows in the store? Depends on the store. Some stores have uh, created a good system and other stores have not mm-hmm. figured it out. I've been to a couple of grocery stores where like, it, the, just the way they've got the arrows, if you need to double back and go like back to one of the other aisles, you have to like weave your way through a labyrinth <laughs> mm-hmm. if you if you want to follow the arrows correctly. So Plus I don't you know. have to do that whole like sorry, can I just can I just it's just right here. Like I just want to grab that ketchup bottle right here. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's on the end I, of the just, aisle just, that is just, the arrow just, pointing even, the other way. Yeah. Just can I but they would mind if I you're doing that whole sorry I just uh Yeah. Civility. I, I never mind that civility's good. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, 204-780-6868, text message from Heather. We're asking you about funny things that your friends have done. Just tell us something funny about one of your friends on this Friends Reunion Day. Heather says, my friend Michelle, we, were, uh, we both lived in the same apartment block. We were both watching Wimbledon tennis. I was a diehard tennis fan and took in all the day and night matches. At one point, they stopped the tournament due to rain because it always gets shut down for rain. During this rain delay, she called me and asked me who was winning. I said, rain delay. She asked what country he played for. I explained there wasn't a player named rain delay. (laughs) There is a rain delay. And laughed my head off. It's a classic. Heather, oh. thanks for that. That's. <laughs> I used to have a teacher named Don DeLay back in the day. So maybe he's related or, or she's related. So we'll give away that Santa Lucia pizza gift card at 9.15. What's coming up at 7.45, Loren? Well, here's another listener text. They wrote in after our grocery store chat at 6.30 to say, keep the plexiglass barriers, sanitizers, and disinfectant wipes post-pandemic. And they wrote that because we were talking about the survey that Dalhousie did on grocery store shopping habits, grocery store habits. Have you moved to online? Do you like some of the changes that have come during this pandemic? What do you hope sticks around? What will stick around for your habits? And so we're going to talk to the food prof about that survey after 745 because he also talked about how the fact our loyalty may have shifted. You might have had a grocery store that you always went to, but then you maybe didn't like how they handled things in this pandemic. And so you moved on over. So we'll move on to Sylvain at 745. We want to ask you the question right now. Have you had the vaccine chat with friends or family yet? Do you have someone in your life who is hesitant or someone perhaps who is super opinionated. Yeah, and have you had that in person or seen it on social media or read it on social media and think, oh, I should check in with them or see what they're thinking about things? Have you thought about having that conversation about, okay, when things return to quote-unquote normal, will you be asking people when they come to your house if they've had the vaccine or is it just a no-go zone? And Greg, I was wondering, is this question kind of become, you know, you used to have the saying, don't talk about politics or religion at the supper table. Is that where we're at? Because we're, you're, you want to know where people are going with it, but it's kind of none of your business. And, and at the same time, it impacts everyone. So how do you deal with it? I think that's a great question and a great point. Don't you imagine that everyone in your sphere of influence is sort of on the same page, that you have the same philosophies about everything? But this might be a dangerous assumption moving forward. You may have to ask the question if you don't know or you don't get a sense or they haven't proclaimed, oh, yeah, the took the kids to get vaccinated last weekend or we already have our first shot or whatever your casual conversation might be. You know, I haven't really given this a ton of thought about what happens when we start getting together, but maybe it's a part of the 
RSVP on the wedding invitation. How many are you going to have? Vegan meal, uh, steak or chicken? Have you been vaccinated? You might have to check all those boxes. Does that become a possibility? I think it does. Yeah, I, I have someone um, who there's somebody who works at the one of the golf courses I go to, and, and she was explaining that she does not want to get a vaccine. And uh, it sort of caught me off guard, but I. You know, I didn't want to be judgy because I wanted to hear her reasoning. And she just, you know, she just, I think, was scared. You know, a lot of people are scared about these vaccines. You know, Josh Reimer yesterday spoke at length about the speed at which these vaccines were developed. And I know a lot of people are scared about that. But she she did go on to say that she is likely going to have to get it because of a childcare situation. I guess there's a shared custody. And uh, without the vaccine, she's not going to be allowed to see the kid. So, yeah. So that's, uh, uh, but I I just heard her out. You know, I, I, I want everyone to get vaccinated, but if you come to me and say, I don't want to get the vaccine on, I don't want to be that guy who just thumbs my nose at you and tells you to get lost. Right. And I think, you know, it's about having some respect in that moment and not reacting with, oh, you know, why not? Like all things in life, when you see the phrase, hear them out, I think is a really good one. Brett and it's it's hard because once you start talking about it it goes in so many directions and and then of course every once in a while like there have been people in in my life and others who might have more of the conspiracy theories going on with it and then you're trying to respect that part of the process too but that makes it more difficult and so you know I'll listen to anything and I actually have read a ton too even though it's not remotely what I think is the truth just to see where it leads me and where it takes me and how people are digesting that because I do want to know and you're trying to be helpful but I I think it might get to the point where for some families or friendships it might be a game changer or a deal breaker or or ruin them in the end depending on which side you land I think any conversation, the why question is important in order to figure out where people stand and and why they feel the way that they do. And there's a reason why these people are in your life in the first place. They were important to you or are important to you. And so if you have enough respect, care and love for somebody to have them on your bus, as I say, then why wouldn't you want to hear them out on why they feel the way that they do? I have one person who I care a tremendous amount about. We are we are friends and, and we haven't seen one another probably in two years now. And we text all the time. And he's typically on the other side of just about every single topic that we discuss on this <laughs> program. And so I hear from him on a regular basis. But I always want to know, where are you hearing this? What have you heard? Because I haven't heard anything about that. And I think if we're open-minded to those things, you aren't necessarily going to convert them or change their mind. And they aren't necessarily going to change yours. But at least you know why they feel the way they feel and, and why their stand is what it is. And I think that's always important. 204-780-6868. Have you had to have this conversation with somebody you care about, whether it's a friend or a family member? I know we've had parents text us saying, one of my kids wants the vaccine, the other does not. And now it's, I think the way they put it, Loren, was I haven't really had to think about this yet because my kids were not eligible. But now that they're eligible, now I have to think about it. Is Mm -hmm. it it a situation where I just order them to get the vaccine because I'm their parents or do I let them choose? So let us know what's going on in your world as it pertains to this 204-780-6868.
enjoyed this music already, but you know what? I don't care because I love this theme song. I love Friends. It's a great show. The reunion special is available today on Crave. And a lot of people are going to be watching that today. And it's going to give us some fodder to celebrate our friends. So we need you at 204-780-6868 to send us a text about something funny about one of your friends. And we'll give away a $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza, at 915. Greg sounds like he's ready to go. I can hear him snorting and yeah, bumping the microphone. So. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm stretching. Oh, <laughs> so. my gosh. <gasps> <gasps> so excited for this friend's reunion. <gasps> I didn't realize that uh, the mic was on. I, so I don't, I'm supposed to pretend like it's on all the time. So, Forgive me, guys. So, Greg, why don't you uh, start us off? Mm. I'm happy to do can so. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fortunate to have brothers who are like friends, friends who are like brothers, and I've got such a great group of people, as I say, on my bus. So I just want to say that first and foremost. But my 35th birthday was sort of a landmark one for me. It marked the end of a real journey with my uh, car accident back in 2000. I was sort of restarting my life. It was it was my sort of my first birthday in a certain sense. And my buddy Johnny uh, surprised me and showed up at the birthday party from BC. I had a sense he was coming, but even though I had a sense he was walking in the door, I was still shocked and surprised when he did. But the surprise of the night came about three hours later. We were at a nightclub. There was about 25 of us having a great time. And there's a live band. Somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, Look who's here. Well, it's Benny, the Jets mascot. <laughs> I start losing my mind. I'm like, what are the Jets? Is that Benny's here on my birthday? Oh, my goodness. Benny comes off the stage, comes down, starts dancing with me. Well, it happened to be one of my best friends, Kevin McDonald. Good morning, Kev. He tracked down the Benny costume. And that was his surprise birthday gift for me on my 35th birthday awesome. was dressing up as Benny. And, uh, well, it's a very appropriate day to share that uh, incredible memory with uh, the Jets doing what they're doing in the playoffs. That is cool, man. Uh, Cam Poitras, what's your story? Um, you know, I, I don't have a specific story, but, like, what my friends have kind of evolved for me is kind of people that I can really be myself around, which I think is so valuable in, in, in this day and age and this world of social media and all this kind of stuff, everyone being hypersensitive about, about everything. And uh, it, it, it allows me to kind of, uh, you know, de-stress and stuff like that. I can, I can talk to my friends about everything. And, and when, I, when I went off and worked radio in little towns, I, I always struggled to find friends because <laughs> when, you, when you grow up with somebody and they, they know that time you peed your pants in grade six, <laughs> you, 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 you have a closeness with them and they become your family. And it's like when I was out, and you 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 find acquaintances, but like the first time they ticked you off, they did rubbed you the wrong way. That would be it. You'd be like, oh, that's it. But like when you have your 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 friends become like a part of your your little your little tribe, your little group. And when stuff like that happens, you just go, ah, love you, man. You know that's just the way it is. So th that's what my friends are are, are for me. And uh, you know, I, I I cherish them every single day a little bit more. I think so. Right on, man. Well said, yeah. Jeff Braun. 
How did you find out what happened to me in grade six, Cam? I'm like Greg. I've got a bus full of longtime friends as well that I I cherish dearly, and I've missed them so much this last year. And one of my oldest friends, uh, other Jeff, uh, just recently, about a month ago, he came over and he gave me a bicycle. Now, it was an old bicycle. His wife had been riding it, but it was a bike he had actually bought about 20 years ago. But he knew I wanted a bike and I didn't have a bike. And he he, he tuned it all up for me and got it uh, up into running position. And I've been driving it ever since. And it rides beautifully. And and he was quick to point out. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he was quick to point out. He's like, you know, I probably could have got 100 bucks from this, the way the demand <laughs> is for these things right now. So I was like, yes, yes, I'm forever in your debt to the tune of $100. So that was a really nice gesture and uh and now i'm a i'm a bike person again right on man that's i haven't rode a bike since i was a kid and i kind of it's harder than you remember (laughs) forte what about you uh my best friend one of my best friends he was my next door neighbor we grew up together like before we had any memories you know like we've known each other so he's like my brother uh, but uh, and we grew up together. His name is Jay, and people would call him Jeff, call me Jay. You know, just one of those name swap things that people would always screw up. Uh, but when we were ten or maybe nine, eight, nine, ten, we uh, started a club. We started a swear club. Yes, that's right. You, you guys were cool kids. <laughs> oh yeah, we would we would go. We'd climb up onto his shed. That's where we would meet. And uh, we would just curse. <laughs> and after we were done cursing, we'd uh, climb down off the shed and go our own ways. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> Did you like save swears? Like, oh, well, Jay will really like this one. I yeah. just heard this one for the first time. Well, we, we would come up with so many things, even if they weren't swears, you know. What about you, Loren? Oh, that feels like it would be so therapeutic at a young age. Yeah, I have I have a great friend that goes back to, you know, preschool days, and I love her to death. She knows everything about me. I know everything about her. We we had we created a freak day on February 12th where we talked about, you know, just be yourself, be your weird self. We had all sorts of fun things going. But she has hung on to a habit from kids. You know when kids are like five and six? Guess what? Guess what, Mom? You know, like that kind of question. Well, she we're in her forties now, and Sean will phone up and like, "Hey, guess what?" And I'm like, "Not playing this game, man. Not trying to. I don't want to guess with where this is going. Oh, you'll never guess where I'm going with this. Nope. Just give me a hint. Like, what's this about?" <laughs> And it's always some gossip about someone from town that I don't remember that I, she has to, like, explain. They're the cousin of your sixth cousin who was once removed four times over. Can you believe it? I'm like, call me back when you have something more interesting. <laughs> All right. And then, like, two weeks will go by. Guess what? Nope. Shauna, we're not doing this guess what thing. Yeah, we are. And it goes on forever. And I love her dearly for it. <laughs> Good for you. I, I can't stand the guess what stuff. Like, uh, just spit it out. This makes me crazy. <laughs> Tell You'll us a funny guess. story. You're right. I'll never guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Tell us a funny story about one of your friends. 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift card. Santa Lucia Pizza will give it away just after 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you to text us. Something funny about one of your friends. Tell us a story, something fun, something that makes you smile and laugh when you think about it. Here's one from someone who says, I moved to Winnipeg from England in October of 2006. It was just above zero. I was freezing. But I made some friends who I still see to this day. They covered me in coats and jackets at the local bus stop. They were all laughing while wearing barely a T-shirt. I will remember this friend story 
forever. But yeah, that's an adjustment, right? It's mm-hmm. what you know. If you're if you're not used to even zero, of course it's going to be cold. I mean, we go through it every fall. When as soon as the temperature drops below zero, it's always like, well, it's so cold. And it's tr- you couldn't prepare yourself for. It. I have a friend who moved here. We went to university together in Ottawa. She was from Southern Ontario. She moved here to actually work at the Free Press for a few years, and and so it's not like she wasn't used to cold. It gets cold in Ontario, but uh, that first winter in Winnipeg was hilarious with her. She did that classic, you know, when the extension cord gets ripped out. Somebody ripped out my extension cord after I plugged (laughs) in my car. And I'm like, no, you drove away with it. Like all those things. And so it was all these little lessons you had to teach her. Like, you better start the car now so the defrost can work. Why? It'll be fine. And then she gets in it and, and says, like, there's like there's frost on the inside of the window. I'm like, yep, yep, that's what I'm talking about, my friend. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the fish out of water stories are some of the best. <laughs> when, you know, when you move somewhere else or when somebody that becomes your friend moves here and uh, you just, you know, you initiate them and, and show them all the genuine Winnipeg things and, the you know, like outlining uh, the, the starting of your car process and the things that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, we had at Ear- Earl's uh, years and years ago, a guy by the name of Gavin, Gavin Rainbow was his name, and he was from Australia and he loved Winnipeg. Bottom line was he had never been on ice skates before, and we took him out to play hockey one night. I wish there was video. It was absolutely fantastic, but it was sort of his – He it was the next step to becoming one of the guys, and he was definitely one of the guys, one of the Canadian guys after that. So shout out to Gavin this morning if you're listening, buddy. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, one of the things we've been talking about this morning is our shopping habits. And I got to say that as far as grocery shopping is concerned, Loren, not much has changed for me because I live like three minutes away on foot. So I just bring one bag. I go buy usually three, four, five things at a time. Just get in, get out. I've sort of stuck to that. I'm on a mission to get what I need as quickly as I can and get out. Yeah, that might be the way many people are shopping today. You might be one of those, and I would put myself in this category that moved into the online realm and really went hard with online shopping for months, and then now we're doing a bit of both. Uh, but the folks at the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, they wanted to know if Canadians are going to continue with their pandemic shopping, whether it be it online, p- pick up in-store shopping, more local, and maybe even what they like about some of the pandemic-related changes we've seen, like arrows in the store, plexi barriers or sanitizers, even more self-checkouts. And so, Greg, they did a survey. They did, and the food professor is in the house. Sylvain Charlebois, director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, joins us now. Good morning, Sylvain. Good morning. So uh, a long list of discoveries in this research, and we enjoyed discussing it very much earlier. And one of the things that jumped out for me was the local grocery and the commitment that people are prepared to make that uh, move and that commitment to their local independent grocer and also self-checkouts. I made the comment that I don't really like them because it costs people jobs. One of our listeners said, Greg, that's a fallacy. Do self-checkouts take away people's jobs and and why are we warming up to them Sylvain? Yeah a lot of Canadians feel strongly about uh, about self-checkouts one way or another uh, but what we've uh, what we've figured out 
recently with this survey is that more and more Canadians are actually using them. Uh, but not only that, they intend to use them more in the future. Uh, when you look at, so overall, Canadians, if, if given a choice uh, between a human cashier and a self-checkout lane, uh, both are equals. But as soon as you go uh, and ask millennials and the generations as the younger folks, uh, there's no doubt now. I mean, self-checkouts are actually uh, more popular for orders uh, of under 10 items. Over 10 items, it's, it gets a little bit more complicated, especially with produce. But generally speaking, people want to get out of the store as soon as possible, but also they don't want to increase risks. That's the, what the pandemic has changed. Uh, even even older uh, consumers are concerned about their health. Uh, two Canadians and five, when they walk into a grocery store, they're concerned about their own health. So they want to get out as soon as possible. So if the, if, if the self-checkout lane is, is open, they'll probably go for it. I think one of the things that I've found uh, is sometimes I'll, I often use a self-checkout just because I'll only have five or six items. And if there's often people waiting in line with full carts, uh, but if there's an open cashier, if open cashier, I'll always go that route. Uh, one of the things that I've found, Sylvain, is though, is that the lineup for the self-checkout is is almost too long now so because people yeah. I, I don't know if people are scared to, to go see a normal cashier so that's one of the things that i've noticed yeah no, it's, exactly and i think that interaction is something that people are, want to avoid for now and probably for the for for a while and when you we look at the numbers I mean, i'm always amazed by how many people are still really concerned about the virus even though the vaccine rollout seems to be seems to be going well uh, a lot of people have gotten their jabs, and, and so tip, normally you would feel more comfortable going into open and, and public places. Not so. Uh, with restaurants, same thing, and with grocery stores as well. So grocers, and, and things are getting tighter in the grocery business, they, 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 they'll have to think, really, they'll have to think about how to make people feel safe. And, and one way to do it is to actually increase the number of self-checkout lanes and uh, and really the number of grocers that are doing that right now uh, is increasing. So what other adjustments do you think stores will have to make? Because we were saying earlier, Sylvain, when we first looked at the survey, you know, more people going online, more people doing the curbside pickup, more people doing self-checkouts, more thought towards local. Those are all fascinating things. And I think maybe a year ago we assumed they might not stick around because we thought we'd be, I think, out of this sooner. But now we're a year and a half in, and your survey asked people what their habits might be six months from now, which is telling you that hopefully that's a post-pandemic scenario. That's how they're going to shop. What do stores have to do with this info now to adjust? Is it adding more staff, more online shopping? What's the what's the process for them? Well, when it comes to the online dilemma, uh, the online slash bricks and mortar dilemma, I mean, numbers are pretty clear. I, I think more people will be buying online compared to before the pandemic, for sure. Whether it's click and collect or uh, asking someone to deliver the food to their homes, uh, I mean, both models are becoming more popular. Uh, just in the last two weeks, 29% of Canadians have actually used uh, some sort of online delivery service, uh, whether it's from food service or food retail. So there's more traffic for sure generated by people, you know, grocery shopping in their pajamas at home on a Sunday morning. That's basically what it means. <laughs> 
I can remember being in a conference call. Oh gosh, it's 20 years ago now. And some guy declared, I think the internet is here to stay. Uh, it was <laughs> the most obvious statement ever. I think online shopping what, is here to Al stay. Gore, and by any chance? <laughs> what's that, Sylvain? Was that was that Al Gore by any chance the the person who claims that he invented the internet? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Al Gore, but someone almost as visionary, I suppose. Uh, the, so this is here here to stay and only going to grow the the notion of uh, online shopping and, and the convenience of it. Some people don't like it. it. It's going to get better. The offering thirty seconds or less, friend. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and this is why, like on the on the demand side, I think consumers are buying into the service, but on the supply side, there's way more investments. Uh, we're looking at twelve billion dollars worth of investment from grocers, distributors, and even processors to sell to us directly food online. Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor, director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Thank you as always, sir. Take care. Bye bye. Kling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're going to talk about school in a second. What is happening on Monday? But a reminder, we are celebrating our friends today because Friends The Reunion Special is now available on Crave for streaming. So we're asking you to just tell us a funny story about one of your friends. Santa Lucia Pizza gift card up for grabs at 9.15. Maureen texting us about hot dogs, Loren. She says, going for a treat to Lockport for one of their famous hot dogs when it was my friend's turn to order. She asked, how long is your foot-long hot dog? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, apparently, Maureen says, we have never let her forget it. She continues to defend herself, though. Was it the bun or the wiener, the foot-long? So... I don't know, friend. I don't know. (laughs) So keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868 for a chance to win. And again, we'll give it away at 9.15. Meanwhile, Monday, May 31st, that's the date thousands of parents have on their calendar for... A return to school, question mark? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think question mark is apropos, Brett. It was just a few weeks ago, all K to 12 students in both Winnipeg and Brandon moved to remote learning. The plan was to send them home from May 12th to the end of this week. But is that happening? Alan Campbell is the president of the Manitoba School Boards Association, joins the start now. Good morning, Alan. What do you know? What can you tell us? Uh, do my kids have to uh, brush their hair and uh, brush their teeth on Monday morning? Well, we'll uh, good morning and thanks, by the way, for having me on this morning. Um, we'll be waiting for the announcement today as well. Uh, the School Boards Association, along with our partners, continue to engage with government regularly on pandemic response. But as, as in most of the announcements uh, that come from Dr. Roosan about schooling and other things, uh, it's pretty hush-hush. Uh, right up until the announcement is made. And in, as you mentioned, there's thousands of parents who are wondering what's happening next week. And I would add thousands of frontline education staff who are wondering about what their work and uh, work and personal schedules, their family schedules will look like starting on May 31st as well. So we sense a lot of frustration and anxiety out there for a whole bunch of obvious reasons. And we're looking forward to an update today. So for well, us, Alan, Sorry, go ahead, Lauren. I, you mentioned that you... Um, have been engaged with the province and that you're, you know, 
trying to be part of the process here. What are the frontline educators, what are the teachers and staff saying in terms about whether they're ready for that return to school or they'd like to stay home for a few more weeks or at least have the kids stay home for a few more weeks? I think it it strongly varies depending on what your experience is in your school. So if you continue to hear of of a prevalence of positive cases in the school community itself, um, then there's definitely a high degree of anxiety at the prospect of going back to school on May 31st. On the flip side, if the move to remote learning has coincided with a downturn in the positive cases in the school community, um, then there's, I, th- I think there's a real strong urge from staff and families to get back into that school for the last month. Of course, you know, uh, anyone in, in the public education system, parents or, or, or students or staff will recall that at this time last year, no, there was nobody in the schools and it was a terrible way to finish off a school year. So um, it, it depends entirely on what your personal experience has been in, in that school community with regard to positive cases and the risk of transmission. And then, of course, we've been talking about vaccination of school staff. Any sense on what percentage of staff have now taken the vaccine during this third wave? Uh, it's not a statistic that we have collected. Um, it's, um, I'll say my hunch would be that it's a, it's a pretty high level of frontline education staff who've taken advantage of the opportunity to get their first shot. Uh, depending uh, on their eligibility, they may have already registered for their second shot. And, uh, and I think that that's very important. Um, but the underlying frustration that comes with the fact that in other jurisdictions, educators and frontline education staff are moved to the front of the line because of the risks associated with working in, a public, in the public education system and the number of people that you work with and come in contact with every day, uh, and now when you see where we are right now in Manitoba, we're hearing a lot of frustration about the fact that that didn't happen here. And then the risks that I mentioned earlier that come with possibly going back into one's classroom on May 31st. Alan, there's got to be a ton of parents that have already decided that no matter what gets announced today, their kids are not going back next week. I don't know what you've heard on that front. And on the other side, we know that there have been a lot of kids still going to school because of the jobs that their parents do. Have you got any sense? Can you give us any numbers on what percentage of of classrooms have students in them right now? I think think the vast majority of schools in Winnipeg and Brandon would have uh, to various degrees uh, um, students in them throughout this remote learning process. And I would add that there's there's uh, several schools in several communities, several dozen actually throughout the province that are also in remote learning, depending on what the what the transmission situation is in those communities as well outside of Winnipeg and Brandon. And the we've we know of we know of schools in the city where it could be as high as a half or two thirds of the student population is eligible to continue to attend the school because their parents are critical service uh, workers. And then in other cases, it might be a relatively small number. But in either case, you have teachers and EAs and frontline education workers in those schools working their butts off to support the, the students that are in the building, as well as support the students that are, are, are learning remotely from home. Um, and we're very mindful of the incredible challenges that that poses. 
Alan, before we let you go, we just have 30 seconds here. Yes, it's Winnipeg and Brandon, but there's also been Dauphin schools in Morris, St. Pierre-Jolie, all sorts of different handfuls of communities, Winkler, et cetera, on this list of remote learning. And that raises the question, you know, some of our kids in this province are continuing in classrooms, some are at home. Parents are wondering, well, where does that leave them? Are there any plans to test the kids before the school year's done to see where they're at so that we have a sense over the summer of the work that might need to be done to keep them on track or even get them back on track? Well, you sure took up a lot of that 30 seconds. Um, I'll say... I'll you say got four. Last, <laughs> Go ahead, though. Last, Go ahead and answer, Al. Last spring, the planning for this past fall, the start of this school year, was strongly informed by early assessment to try to understand how to best support students depending on what their experiences have been. And as we continue to work with government for planning for the fall of, of next school year, the 21-22 school year, you can bet that an early understanding of what the individual needs of our students will be because of the challenges of this pandemic school year will be top of mind for everyone. So um, everything that we can do at school boards will be done to ensure that students and families are supported. And of course, that means holding the government to task to make sure that schools and the system itself is properly resourced. Alan Campbell, president of the Manitoba School Boards Association. Thank you for the time, sir. Thank you so much. Now, as we've been sharing with you throughout the morning, a Manitoban with COVID-19 has died after attempting to send them out of province for care at an Ontario intensive care unit. Yeah, Shared Health says the patient was identified for transport to an Ontario hospital, but destabilized prior to takeoff. The patient was provided care by the transport team and immediately sent back to the hospital, but they died the next day. Our thoughts and condolences are with their family at this time, Loren. Yeah, and of course, with all the families who are wondering and, and waiting for answers around this, because of course, there are still many questions surrounding this transfer and death, not just for the family involved, but for the many families who have potentially a loved one in hospital or in this situation, because we know over the last 10 days, 23 ICU patients have been sent to nine different Ontario hospitals. More were scheduled to go yesterday, including a transfer to a Saskatchewan hospital. So on the line with us now is Dr. Rob Grierson. He's the Chief Medical Officer of the Emergency Response Services for Shared Health. Good morning, Dr. Grierson. Good morning. We know there are confidentiality issues at play here, but we're hearing from family that this was a young mom. How long had she been in hospital, Dr. Grierson? You know, I really unfortunately can't talk about the specifics of this case. As you've alluded to, there's privacy issues. So I can certainly talk about sort of the the process that we're following and and the work that our team is doing, but I I really can't talk about the specifics of the case. Can you confirm they were moving from Brandon to Ontario, though? I can confirm that the the plan was to move the patient from Brandon to Ontario, yes. So how were they then selected for transfer? So, I mean, the teams and our our team of critical care uh, transport specialists I mean, the work that we're doing right now, while it's incredibly exceptional given the circumstances, uh, we do this work every day of the week uh, pre-COVID, and we will be continuing to do this work every day of the week post-COVID. So there's a number of factors that go into the selection of a patient. And and really uh, recognizing that all of these patients are are critical care patients. They're in the intensive care unit. So we have to take the most precautions possible to try to anticipate what could potentially happen to the patient during the course of transfer. And so every single patient that we've moved, and as you've alluded to, we've moved uh, uh, 23 to Ontario, um, 
the same precautions were taken with every one of those patients. So, you know, you meticulously go through the patient's care and in, ensure that um, the patient has the parameters, to, to lack of a better term, that will have less likelihood of deteriorating during transport. The reality is every single critical care patient um, often is on a ventilator, so there's a machine breathing for them. Sometimes there's medications running through infusion pumps to support their blood pressure. Whenever anybody is being supported by artificial means, um, you're, you know, when you move those patients and whether it's in a hospital, moving them down to a CT scanner or an MRI scanner, or even moving them within the ICU itself, every little movement like that has a potential risk associated with it. And every step is taken to mitigate those risks. And it's no different when we're moving people across the country. We heard Dr. Kumar in our news uh, today, Dr. Grison, uh, reference the fact that, you know, that movement, if if the patient is on a ventilator, the risk of becoming disconnected. I mean, we know from studying hospital processes that dangers always lie in the transfer of care, either from one department to another, the handoff from one shift to another. So this is always an inherent risk in, in healthcare, is it not? I mean... Again, when you're managing critical care patients, every every step you take has to be carefully calculated. And yes, you're right, there's risks associated with every step of the way. And again, our teams are specialized in doing this work. This is what they do day in, day out. Um, the, the other thing that I think we have to consider here is, um, you know, the disease that we're dealing with, COVID, I mean, it's it's devastating. And again, my heart goes out to everybody involved in this case and all of these cases that we're moving um, we're, we're learning more about this disease daily and, you know, patients, uh, young patients, old patients, um, they can change uh, really reasonably dramatically. And so we're, you know, we're kind of in a situation where we've got a disease that we're learning about and it is a bit unpredictable. So that adds a little risk to the circumstance. Our guest is Dr. Rob Grierson, Chief Medical Officer, Emergency Response Services for Shared Health. We're speaking to the doctor in the wake of a Manitoban uh, who has died in an attempt to be transported to Ontario. How do you uh, speak to families before patients are moved? So I personally am responsible for the, the transporting of the patient. So once the decision sort of is made to transport the patient, so... Generally speaking, the intensive care physician who's actually at the bedside in the intensive care unit who has a relationship with the family already, those are the physicians that have been talking with the family. So I I am kind of responsible for the, the patient movement and the intensive care physicians themselves are the ones that are having those very difficult decisions and discussions with the family. So Dr. Grierson, given that this is such a delicate and, you know, potentially, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but it has all the potentials for things to go wrong quickly, as we've heard from yourself and different experts. Are we going to change how we do this going forward, change anything about the transfer, or is this going to move over to the no, military I mean, when they arrive? Or No. So, I mean, I think it's, it's really important to recognize that we've done a large number of transports uh, completely safely, and, and, and the process that we're using, again, whether it's a COVID patient or whether it's another type of intensive care unit patient, the processes have been used for years. There's, there's processes that have been vetted. So I think it's really important that we, we try to emphasize that um, this process is safe and, and we're doing everything we can to maintain that safety. I, I really hope that um, 
in all of this, people aren't losing confidence in our healthcare system. I mean, we are everybody working towards trying to get to the right outcome here. We want to be able to provide critical care to as many Manitobans that require that critical care. And, you know, this way is a way to do that. I mean, these patients are managed by a critical care team. They're taken to a critical care unit in Ontario where their, you know, outstanding care is extended and thereby freeing up more space in the intensive care units in Manitoba so that when someone comes into an emergency department and their care uh, requires escalation, we have a space to put them in. Um, so this is um, this is critically important for everybody to understand that this step is done not, you know, we don't take this step lightly, trust me. Those of us that are working on this, um, it, it's, it's a very serious business and we are really doing this to try to ensure that we don't have bad outcomes and that we don't have patients succumb to this illness, if, if at all possible. The math, uh, to me, speaks to the seriousness. We have essentially the equivalent of 25% of all ICU uh, patients being treated for COVID, being treated outside of our province right now, Dr. Grierson. So when when we're looking at, you know, you, you walked us through the process of... of figuring out which patients might be best candidates to, to move and, and might have the best outcomes in a situation like that. When you outline what this patient, and once again, with all confidentiality associated, but when we look at this, to imagine that the person was in such a serious condition and was still one of the best candidates to move, that's got to speak volumes about what's being dealt with and, and how critical the situation is overall. Well, yes. I mean, when, when patients are in the intensive care unit, they are in serious condition. I mean, we are, when we're identifying patients to be transported, understanding that, you know, without getting into too many technical details, the COVID virus can affect various parts of the person's body. And so really when we're trying to move people, we try to find patients where really maybe just one body system has been affected. And so we're trying to find patients that have, as I said before, are as stable as you can get in an intensive care unit. I'm really reluctant. I know it's been in the media quite a bit. People are saying, oh, these are stable patients. Well, really saying that someone who's in the intensive care unit is stable, you know, they're as stable as an intensive care unit patient can get, but balanced with the fact that the team that's moving the patient they do this from time to time. And I mean, if we look to our partners in Ontario who have been incredibly helpful through all of this, they have an immense amount of experience from the previous couple of months where they did exactly the same thing within their province. They moved patients from intensive care unit to intensive care unit. And myself and a number of other physicians from Manitoba have been in regular contact with the doctors from Ontario and we've learned from their experiences. So again, I don't think any of our provinces wanted to be in this situation. You know, when, when you uh, when you sign up to be in a position like mine, you, you don't think that you would be doing this. But the reality is that we are. And we're trying to, to learn from other people's experiences so that we can provide the safe, safest care possible to these patients that are uh, having to move out of province. With respect to the tough position that you and many others are in, you, you just ended there using the word safe and, and, the, and that the procedure is overall safe. But you know there'll be many Manitobans who aren't feeling that way this morning, Dr. Grierson. So, so is there any other measure that can be done? Is there not another way to find more space here so that we could cut down well, on these transfers? So absolutely. And I can tell you there's a number of people that have been working 
in the background, trying to find space, uh, trying desperately to, to add beds and to add staff. Um, I mean, the, the, the issue is, um, you know, not just beds and ventilators, but it, it's competent staff to manage this, these departments. And I mean, and the reality is when, when people come into the emergency department and, uh, you know, they need to be intubated and put on a ventilator, either that patient stays in the emergency department or they need to go to an, an intensive care unit someplace. So like the, the crunch is felt in all parts of the healthcare system. So, but to get back to your question, absolutely. There are a number of, I mean, I'm not in charge of trying to find ICU beds, but I can tell you that the people who are, are working just as hard as we are at their task, trying to, trying to find more resources for ICU in Manitoba. Do we have a timeline for that? Or are we going to continue doing these transfers for a few more days? Uh, well, I mean, we're going to continue to do the transfers. I can say today we're going to be doing a few. Um, but I mean, that's that's really analyzed on a not even a day to day basis, but an hour by hour basis to try to figure out what the needs are and and so forth. So I'm as I say, I'm not the person in charge of trying to find a bed space. But uh, let me reassure you that all efforts are being taken to try to increase the bed space. Dr. Rob Grusin, Chief Medical Officer, Emergency Response Services for Shared Health. Thank you very much for the time, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. A reminder that in our next segment, we have a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza to give away based on your text messages as we celebrate our friends today. The Friends Reunion Special, now available on Crave TV. Gloria sent us an email about 10 years ago. A friend and I were talking about cleaning hot tubs. We have one, and she used to. So we were discussing how often you drained it and cleaned it. I told her we cleaned ours twice a year. She told me they cleaned theirs three times a year. Spring, fall, and spring. (laughs) OMG, she says, once she realized what she said, we both laughed until we cried. And now it's our (laughs) thing we still had to talk, that we still talk about. It's one of those. Second spring. Yes, that's right. Second spring. (laughs) It's one of those you had to be there things, she adds. But between good friends, it's a good laugh. So that's a great story. Tell us something funny about your friends. We have a decision to make for our next segment. In the meantime, we want you to make a decision and act now because today is the spring bonus deadline for the Tri Hospital Dream Lottery in support of Children's Hospital, Health Sciences Center, and St. Boniface Hospital. These three facilities care for one million Manitobans annually and form the cornerstones of Manitoba's healthcare system. Yeah, you'll be hearing all day long about the prize options and the ways you can get tickets. Easiest way is to go online tryhospitaldream.com. You can also take a peek at the grand prizes and the other prize options while you are there. Jonathan Lyon is president and CEO of the Health Sciences Centre Foundation. He joins us now. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Hey, it's always great to visit with you. We, we usually have a few laughs when you, when you join us on, on these deadline days, but let's face it, it's a rough go for Manitoba's healthcare system right now. What can you share with us? What are you learning with your connections uh, in the in the hospital itself? Yeah, you know, there's no question. It's a challenging time. The uh, hospital is bursting at the seams with uh, COVID patients. We see that in on your newscasts, uh, you know, every day, and uh, it's really a challenging time. You know, there are some things though 
that uh, you know we can point to with with pride. You know, coming out of HSC, there's a a program that was instituted out of HSC to uh, take care of patients who are non uh, they were not transmitting COVID any further, so that they could get care at home on a virtual capacity. And I believe earlier in the week, I heard the number was some 40 patients right now are having virtual care at home, which frees up hospital space for COVID patients and others. Because of course, there's many other sick Manitobans who require care beyond COVID. So, you know, it's a stressful time. Uh, we need to listen to the public health folks and uh, do as they're directed. Get your vaccinations. And, uh, you know, one thing we can do is support the hospital, HSC Children's Safety through the Tri-Hospital Lottery. So we're encouraging people to buy those tickets today. Jonathan, you mentioned just the virtual care for patients who go home. And so often we look at these big ticket items, the big machines or, or other that the hospitals might need. But there's all sorts of little things going on behind the scenes like you just referenced. And so when it comes to this lottery and, and the support people might be giving, where do the funds go? What, what's the goal for this year? The overall funds, um, you know, we dedicate them. I mean, we we have sort of immediate needs, which we've identified through COVID. You know, our foundation, through the generosity of uh, our donors and lottery funds, we've invested over $2 million in COVID supports for frontline uh, supports for patients, for medical staff, for, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the virtual care program that I just alluded to. You know, to get it up and running quickly, uh, they needed a number of tablets and some uh, basic things, thermometers, oximeters. So, um, you know, we were able to step in and do things like that. So there's immediate term things. And then there's longer term projects. We work on projects at the foundation that escalate healthcare innovation and excellence in healthcare that allow for quicker diagnosis, quicker treatment and better outcomes for Manitobans. That's all we want as a, as a patient, right? You want to get diagnosed, treated, and hopefully get home to the loved ones uh, in the state you're in. So through funding innovative projects through lottery, we're able to really make a dent and an impact, a positive impact on healthcare, change healthcare for the better for all Manitobans. Research and an eye on the future, I think, should be as important now as it has ever been, John. So what is HSE Foundation doing to ensure medical research and cutting-edge medical care are taking place at HSE? Every year, uh, our foundation uh, funds uh, research to the tune of at least $400,000. In addition to, you know, endowed funds we have set up through people like the Firefighter Burn Fund have... uh, set up a $2 million endowed fund. And every year we're doing research into uh, uh, into uh, skin uh, skin cell, stem cell research, I should say. And uh, so, you know, the healthcare we receive today in order to improve on it, you need to do research. As the trauma hospital, neurosciences, uh, psych health, you know, we typically tend to fund our resources and research in those areas that are aligned with specialty skills and services that are, um, uh, that the public receives at HSC. So research is a very important part of the work that we do and funded also uh, through lottery proceeds. Jonathan, real quick before we let you go here, uh, the three hospitals getting together on this lottery, once again, uh, the three facilities, and of course all the medical facilities in Manitoba, right across the province, are are so intrinsically entwined with one another. But these three in particular just do so much work uh, that they count on one or the other and each other to uh, provide uh, critical and uh, everyday care for Manitobans. They work hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, there's no question. Uh, you know, my, my own family, my children were born at St. 
St. Boniface. I received care and my, my family's received care at HSC and, uh, and children's as well. So uh, uh, that's just in my own home. And I know that's the case for many, many Manitobans across the province, wherever you live. Uh, ultimately, um, you know, people rely on the care of the big three uh, at some point in their lives or someone that they love will. And, uh, and again, COVID just sort of highlights what we all inherently know. There's nothing more important than healthcare. We're seeing it at this time. It's an important time. And again, encourage people to buy those lottery tickets to support the men and women on the front lines in this uh, challenging time. Thanks for your message, John. Thanks for what you do. We appreciate it. Thank you. So here's the story on ticket sales, folks. Tickets are on a record-breaking pace already. It's the fastest-selling Tri-Hospital Lottery yet. Last year's Tri-Hospital Dream Lottery sold out early and in record time, and this year tickets are actually selling even faster than they were this time last year. Uh, we could be sold over 70%, 7-0 by the end of today, Loren. It's amazing what they do, and the prizes are amazing. And once again... You need to check it out because they they also expand the prizes to include so many other communities like St. Adolph's on the list. There's other towns. There's other cabins, cottages. I'm already dreaming, Brett. Yeah, like I'm looking at the the grand prizes right now, and uh, the 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 first one on the list in East St. Paul uh, from Merrick Holmes is just spectacular. The way the color oh. trims are amazing. But as somebody who has grown to quite enjoy living in a high rise apartment, I see there's a condo option yes. three ninety on the river on Assiniboine Avenue, twenty second floor. This thing's worth uh, its value is seven hundred and seventy three thousand dollars for the uh, the package. It also includes a couple of Mercedes Benz and like you know. When people refer to their car as a whip, it's my understanding that to have an actual whip, it must be a Mercedes Benz. So these prizes, oh, really? that's my understanding. I, I, I think I'm, I might just be making that up, but I remember Googling it once when I saw somebody call their car a whip and I thought, ah. uh, this is one of those things because I'm now getting old. I don't know what the kids are saying anymore, so I have to look it up. But, hey, no deck staining on that condo. That's my takeaway there. <laughs> exactly. I'd be a terrible homeowner. I can't, as much as the houses are nice, I can't do that. And I'm an awful homeowner or house owner, that is. So uh, limited ticket packs available after today. Don't miss out on your favorite ticket pack by ordering uh, 50 50 plus is on a record setting pace. Last year's jackpot passed $750,000 by our first bonus deadline. So phone 204-254-9131, toll free 1-844-654-4677. Tickets also available in person at London Drugs, St. Fatel Center, Red River Co-op Food Stores, and select Shoppers Drug Mart locations. Try Hospital Dream Dot com. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, today we're celebrating our friends because the Friends Reunion Special is available on Crave. So we asked you today at 204-780-6868 to text us something funny about one of your friends for a chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. We're tight on time here, so we only have time right now to read the winning entry, Greg, from Kelly. My girlfriend, who is very proactive with regards to her health, was having some issues with her feet little Joey reference there, I think. She decided to seek advice from an unconventional therapist. When checking in with her a day later, she said she was given some quote-unquote stuff to drink. My girlfriend said it was the most horrible stuff she has ever tried. But being the ever-optimist, she said she closes her nose and swings it back. 
She continued with this treatment for a week, then had to go back to check in with this therapist. She told the therapist she thought the stuff was working, but it was pretty horrible to get down. The therapist looked at her and said, uh, you aren't supposed to drink it. Oh, You're supposed to soak your feet oh in it. Oh, my God. She's lucky it she was, didn't die. What was it? No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, um, I'm pretty sure the pizza will taste much better oh, yes. than uh, whatever it was your girlfriend was drinking. <laughs> Congratulations, Kelly. $20 gift card, Santa Lucia pizza. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. A new survey out of Dalhousie University found a growing number of shoppers have turned to the self-checkout in this pandemic. What's your take? So far at cjob.com, we've got... 15% who say, I love the self-checkout. 15% say, I only use it when I have a handful of items. 25% say, I only use it if the cashier lineups are too long. And 45% say, I loathe the self-checkout. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB. Just got word three minutes ago, and we will be carrying this live at 1230. Loren McNabb, who will be speaking today? 1230, we're having Dr. Brent Rusin, of course, and then with him is Premier Brian Pallister. And the topic today is the COVID-19 public health orders. So this is not just an update. We will be hearing more from them on perhaps the current orders that are in place, perhaps an extension of those orders, perhaps a change to everything from who knows, shopping to gatherings to schools. Schools is a big part of the equation. So again, we don't know what's going to be said there. All we know is the current public health orders were extended to midnight Saturday. So essentially end of business, end of the day tomorrow. That midnight always confuses me. Saturday morning they were extended to, and we'll find out today if we're getting a further extension or any changes or additions or, or what. Everything's on the table as we've heard so many times. How do you feel about when they put out this uh, media release and the premier is one of the participants? What do you think is going on for the next almost three hours until the two of those uh, very important individuals take to the microphone? A lot of anxiety, I think, for many people when they hear that Premier Pallister is joining Dr. Rusin. It'd be nice if we got maybe just a little bit more information. It's a, it's a happy or a delicate balance, I suppose, for, for the powers that be. How much do they want to share with us before the actual news conference? I just, I just can sense people wondering what's going to be said. I do think that there is many occasions where because things are moving so fluidly with this and changing so quickly and in the sense of the numbers going up or down that sometimes that, that there are days when we've put out these public health orders that my sense is that they're working on them right to the end and making addi- additions yeah. and changes right and so giving us a heads up might not be value add or it might just lead to that i mean it's a darn if you do and darn if you don't you get more information no and, and then it leads to all sorts of what who where how how's that going to work and the follow-up questions still take three hours to get asked so I I have come though, Brett. You made a comment. I believe it was earlier this week, although all the days blend blend into Tuesday and Thursdays. Um, you made a comment that 
you, you know, you miss appointment viewing and now your appointment viewing has turned into these 1230 newsers. And I miss the days when I'd see these news alerts go out and not think, oh, and then, you know, go right to the bottom of the page to see what the topic is going to be. Because sometimes it's just update and you think good. And sometimes when they say public health orders, you now know what that means. It means change, you know, whether open, close, more close, more open, it's all coming. And so you have that trepidation. And it even I've even felt that way about emails I get from the school uh, where thankfully they put something in the subject line, but I wish they would just be like, this is non-COVID related, or this is an update on the library. That's all, because you start to now, you're just sort of a bit on edge, Brett. Yeah, and it is uh, it is funny how these, these 1230 newsers are just kind of the, part of my daily routine. I'll go home and and I'll, <laughs> usually I'll, sometimes I fall asleep on the couch before they start, but usually I'll, I'll wait and I, I pull it up on uh, YouTube, on the province's uh, YouTube channel. And if, I, if I'm out, like, like I'll probably get home later today from, because I record the couch potatoes today. So I'm going to be busy with Jeff Braun recording the show while this is happening. So when I get home... I'm probably, that's probably going to be the first thing I do is sit down and, and put on this newser. And admittedly, that was one of the first things I thought, you, Greg, you mentioned the anxiety. For me, there's going to be some anxiety while I'm recording this show, wondering what are they saying? Not because I'm concerned about how it's going to affect me. I just, I want to know what, what's next. Sure. Uh, you know, I got on the elevator today and a gentleman who works in this building looked at my hat. I'm wearing a Winnipeg Blue Bombers hat. And he says, Bombers, hey. You think it's wishful thinking? And I knew exactly what he meant. Like, are we going to see some games this year? Don't you just miss the days where it could be like bombers, eh? Woo! And then you'd be like, yeah, Yeah. high five, buddy. (laughs) Now it's like, no, it's got a whole COVID layer to it, Brett. Yeah, yeah. Everything. So, so the I, I'm I'm with you on that, Greg. Uh, the anxiety, the uh, that everybody must be feeling, and all like all the businesses who are closed, who are probably hoping against hope that maybe they'll be able to to get back to work. Like I've got a, a haircut scheduled, for example, on June first, and uh, I suspect that's probably not going to happen. I don't know. Well, how many of you get text messages or emails from from your friends asking, so uh, what's going on at twelve thirty? Like we know, or that we've got some sort of inside scoop or inside information as to what's going on. I, I just let you know right now, I, I love hearing from all of you. I, I don't know anything more than what we all find out together at 12.30, 12.38, whatever time that the uh, media conference uh, begins and that information starts to flow. And uh, that was sort of my point with the speculation. I can just tell by the way, my inbox lights up either with emails or text messages that there is some anticipation. There's also some stress that goes out with that announcement uh, that we just made uh, about five, six minutes ago that the Premier and Dr. Rusin will be together at 1230 today. It's got to be stressful, I imagine, too, for parents, Loren, wondering what is happening with schools. I mean, we had the conversation earlier uh, this morning on the start uh, with Alan Campbell, president of the Manitoba School Boards Association. You know, parents and students and, of course, school staff have got to be wondering, okay, like, are are we going to get some direction here on what's happening on Monday? Yeah, it's just a matter of days away, right? And so that's a lot to plan for if you're keeping your kids home or if they have to be home because of remote learning and you're staying home with them or you've made accommodations with your work or you can't make accommodations or you have a sitter that's coming in, you have a caregiver to think about, you have all these things going on. And of course, I know these teachers are doing a great job with our kids 
who are doing the remote learning, and that's a lot of kids. That's Winnipeg, Brandon, Morden, Winkler, Morris, uh, St. Pierre-Jolie, St. Agathe. There's all sorts of communities, Dauphins on the list, uh, th- that have expanded in recent weeks, wondering how long this goes on for. And as, as good as the jo- a job the teachers have been doing, I think most parents would agree that it, it's challenging, no matter how good of the scheduling is, because you're either at home with them or getting someone to help out. And so you you don't want this to keep going, but you would like to know sooner than later what your fate is. And then, oh, so many other questions. Will there be more people added to the list? What's going to, the speculation just runs rampant. And so sometimes, I don't know, maybe just, maybe we just all need to turn away and get one person to watch and tell us later. Well, and here's another, and, and, and on the, on an, as an aside, uh, one of the things I like to do during these news conferences is, is pepper Greg and Loren with what I've called Brett's helpful observations. I enjoy them. <laughs> and yesterday, I got to say, Johanu Botha, that outfit he was wearing was cool. He was wearing the purple dress shirt with a gray vest and a gray and purple tie. I dug the color combo, and it was practical in a sense, too, because he looked like he was ready, Greg, to go out and dominate a snooker table. Yes, or perhaps uh, dominate a poker table. Some people were suggesting that, uh, you know, that they wouldn't mind uh, having him uh, deal their cards at a at a poker table. And your observations are terrific, Brett. Uh, the more irrelevant and irreverent, the better. So keep those com- coming because those are typically difficult topics. And uh, we're also serious when we're watching so uh, and listening. So I appreciate them immensely. And the information has just become so critical. Now, uh, I'm asking something that I probably shouldn't be asking on air, but I'm going to ask anyway. I I was under the impression we were supposed to hear from the education minister at some point today. Am I am I imagining that, Loren? I was my understanding. So again, uh, depending on what you're reading, I understood yesterday that he said more information was coming today. I don't know if that was more information coming from the education minister. I believe he said we'd hear more from Dr. Rusin. Okay. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to guess regardless of what's going on, that Dr. Brent Rusin is going to be talking about schools today, whether there's other things on the table remains to be seen. But Dr. Rusin, according to the education minister was involved in this. Now, th- I think the reason why we're blending it all together is that when schools were put to remote in Winnipeg and Brandon, on May 12th, or Mother's Day, that glorious Mother's Day, it was Cliff Cullen and uh, the the good doctor that made that announcement, which is why we might be thinking of that. And Maybe it- they'll extend this to Father's Day, just to like, <laughs> I don't want to make light of this. I get that there's all sorts of things going on, but we just mentioned that in these hard, difficult times, sometimes it's good to have a laugh. So maybe we, maybe that's the goal. Well, and Greg. look at th- look at this email that's just come in uh, from the province education minister Cliff Cullen at three p.m. today. But the yeah. topic <laughs> is uh, school COVID nineteen funding. Okay. Okay. Now, also, am I reading this right? Is this media conference at four o'clock today? Three. No, with uh, Premier. No, no that's twelve thirty. Normal twelve thirty time. Mm, okay. We have, you know what? We should stop doing this on air because now we're just turning this into a whole, a whole a gong show. People come to us for the information, and we're saying the information we'd like to give you is that the information is changing. No, education ministers at three o'clock. Okay. And the premier and Dr. Rusner at twelve thirty. Yes. Yep. And okay, that will be sorry. carried live on six eighty CJOB, your information superstation. <laughs>
Thank it's, you, Loren. I love the way my emails get stacked with one another. And it was, uh, I just thought, you know, once again, go to Loren. She's got all the answers. I appreciate you more than words can say, McNabb. Oh, Ryan, hey. are you listening? Husband, did you hear that? <laughs> oh, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this just in case you missed this clip yesterday. So I write down sounds good, you know, in our internal chat a million times a day when we're exchanging ideas. Sounds good. That's good. Looks good. And it always corrects it to sounds food. <laughs> like every single time, yeah, which yeah. makes no sense. And let me tell you this. I am never writing duck in any sentence. You know what I'm writing for? In any sentence, I'm not writing, oh, what the duck. That's one of my favorite moments ever from the start. Thank you for giving us that, Loren. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.